one of my closest people that I'm with, the legend, track and field coach legend, Mr. Anthony Mann. Hope you guys enjoy this episode full of wisdom, mindset, performance, truth, guidance, and wisdom. Super grateful for Coach Man. Thank you for coming on the show. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Tap in. All right, everybody. What's up? What's up? What's up? Let me. <laughs> Today, I got a special, special, special guest. Welcome, everybody, to Campus Cuts um, Season 3. I got a special guest, um, somebody that I'm very close to. I got a man of God, a man of fever, a man of knowledge, a man that is relentless, a man that is always talking his crap. <laughs> and but he doesn't he, he doesn't talk himself. He lets the streets talk for him. Um, just a man, a legend in Dallas and nationally. Um, and he doesn't like the pub. So I'm very surprised that he's on the show. But nonetheless, um, just want to say major shout out to Coach Anthony Mann, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Okay, I'm glad to be here. I'm a walking, useless source of information. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean, start with useless information? <laughs> <laughs> some information I have is good, and some information I have is bad. So, you know. Oh, it's, my it's gosh. The, it depends on the situation. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, oh, man. Wow, wow. Well, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you pretty good. All right, perfect, perfect, oh, perfect. My head, my head well, going. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, welcome to the go. show, Coach. Um, first okay. off, I just want to say thank you so much for just hopping on to the show. Uh, super grateful that you're here and um, that we're going to get just chop it up. So, of course, you know, you know that I was, busy, you know, during the summer was working on a personal passion project um, at school. And I told you that I had a little podcast and now the podcast has turned into a show where i guess get okay. different guests from all over the world so um you know Good i walk job. very close with you you're making it happen that's the name of the game and i know that's the name of the game making it happen but i'm kind of glad for all of y'all you know right that's the name of the game or we can see so. yeah yeah that's the name of the game coach coach but yeah. um but so basically you know the origins of campus cuts it was kind of um uh, inspired by joe rogan in the shot by lebron james where i wanted to get students faculty staff athletes entertainers entrepreneurs and, and community members all people of walks of life just to be able to go on the show just to be able to chop it up be able to talk speak game speak truth and you know you're one of those guys where i was able to have a wealth of knowledge and wisdom um so much so uh, and i know you don't like the publicity i know you don't like the pub but I'm grateful that you're on the show. And first off, I just want to say thank you so much for just uh, allowing me to interview you um, and just get you to show your perspective. Okay. Uh, about, well, you know, you know me. Oh. And about not liking pub. I don't hate it or nothing like that, but it just never been a goal of mine. As far as, especially coaching track, I never right. wanted to be known or to be popular or to look good at another coach's expense, or to look good at an athlete's expense, or uh, even critic, I kind of shy away from that. Because right. track to me is more of a, I'm like a music producer. I will go over right. there and I might do some tracks and I might not use them, but then when the time right, then I do. 
like that. Right. And it's absolutely constant. constant. You don't never. What's this song? I heard this song. It said, like, this song I heard, it said, songs never dissipate. They only recreate in another place right. in time. Well, I'm that kind of track. <laughs> What's up, Coach Pat? <laughs> What's up, Coach Pat? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Die careful. <laughs> but no, that's for yeah. real. That's where my mind works, right? That's where my mind works. It's kind of like with my program that I had, Track Dallas. It never went away. We just recreated in other times and other places like that. Absolutely. Kind of like music. Absolutely. So that's how that's how I kind of operate. You know? Yeah. And you said one of your favorite bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and know. one of your favorite you bands is Earth, it. Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah, man. Classic. Classic. Because you got to understand, their music, that music travels, has traveled through generations, through time. I started listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire when I was right. Ooh, right. 10 years old. But it has always been like a constant. His music has addressed the change in time, the change in days, the change in situation, the change in weather, everything. It's always kind of addressed it. And if you've seen it, I tell young kids today, you got to go to one of their concerts. It's more than music. something about their music that has this voice this spiritual kind of overtone to it so it's pretty good music and it's good music to grow up to i tell you that much tell you that right yes sir and i mean i like rap rap is not bad neither but (laughs) i feel like rap has stolen our teenagers and they don't plan on giving it back giving them why do you say that (laughs) why do you say that why do you say that because it's a lot of good in rap right to me, not it's just me. It's a lot of good in rap, but then at the same time, the vulgarness is just too. Don't make me too strong. I almost curse. It's just too strong. <laughs> but I understand it because I I'm from the hood. I lived in right, the hood, so, right. So I understand, you know, when it, but at the same time, you don't never hear a good. I hear a, enough. Balance. You need to be balanced. You can lot of rap, it's okay. But now you gotta hear the balance. The balance is kids like you. We don't hear enough about kids like you. See? Right. Kids is making stuff happen. Kids that want to get the education. Kids that's moving forward. Kids that's well traveled. Kids that not as tough or vulgar or whatever you want to call it. See? It, it, right. it, it's not a balance there. Without the media, you would think it would be, but it's not so right absolutely dealing with kids like i have over the years serious business serious business you know right serious business dealing with teenagers kids like that you know it's serious to me it's serious business because i do it my median is track and field but uh right yeah i know i have kids i had a couple of kids my own so it's Teenagers, it's just serious business to me. That's all. I, you know, I don't play with it. You know that from going out to the track. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Coach, let me ask you this. So, um, introduce yourself a little bit. You know, say what is your name? Um, yeah, what's your you occupation? 
Yeah, I can hear you. So introduce My yourself occupation. to the crowd a little bit. Yeah, your name, occupation, and then after that, you know, um, and after My that, you main occupation, uh, right now I am retired. Uh, right. I got sick a couple of times. Don't want to go in there. That's a long story. I mean, if we are <laughs> yeah. but I do coach officially part-time at a private school in Dallas, Texas called Hockaday. Right. I, I have coached at Ursuline Academy, Dallas Christian, and Trent Christian Cedar Hill back in the day. Uh, presently, the last, if you want to call it official coaching job, that would be Hockaday where I'm at right now. Right. But in right. this video, you don't know, it could change. <laughs> it could change all the time. All the but time. Well, you know, I have my own mind. I'm on my own mind. And I know sometimes you can, you know, you know, you kind of, uh, I mean, you know, you just never know, you know. Right. But I'm good, though, because I love track and field. I know, you know, and that's the main thing. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. the sport. That don't mean I love the school. See? Right. <laughs> like right. Yeah. <laughs> you love the guys. sport, but you don't love the school. Oh, my goodness. Right. Now, I love the school to a certain point, but it's like being an artist. Right. I have to paint and create this picture with every athlete that God sent to me to train. See, like that. Absolutely. You can ask yourself that. I mean, I painted a picture with you. You just didn't know it. I cut an right. album with you, so to speak. You just didn't know it. I think right. you knew it now, but, you know, I was telling this kid that yesterday. He was like, how are you? Why are you? Yeah, why are you ain't like the other coach? Yeah, well, you know, to each his own. But <laughs> professionally, I've worked a lot of places. Right. Yeah, you have worked Lynch. a lot of places. You have a I, talk about that. Merrill Lynch, one of the um highly coveted um investment groups. Well, and you oh you were telling us on well, off camera. Merrill you know, Lynch. Um, right. Well hey, I'm gonna give you a little bit, they gonna give y'all a little bit. But when yeah, I yeah, come yeah. out of school, I came home and just messing around some of my friends. we went to this temp agency one day and I decided to fill out an app, and then I don't know what happened. I just ended up taking this test, and I passed it. And my first real <laughs> job was Merrill Lynch, Pierce Finner, and Smith. Merrill Lynch, Pierce Finner, Peabody, and Smith. That's what it was at the time. That was 1980. I worked at the 1988. Then I left there and went to Dean Witter, where at the time it was Shearson American Express slash Dean Witter. Then I left there, and then I went to Dean Witter Reynolds, like that. Right. So I worked a lot of large corporations by the grace of God, because I tell you the truth, it wasn't like I was looking for it. For it. Also, I got the training there, and uh, it was pretty, it was a good experience for me coming right out of school because um, you, I worked in Stock Exchange, one of the world's largest, most powerful companies. I got to meet right. people from all over the world, all type right. of education, all type of races, all type of culture. Right. Culture right. and races flash. It's a difference in there. But right. What people, is the difference? Talk I about mean, that. Well, one thing with a culture is people that's from other countries that really have strong cultures, 
are completely different than just say like an American culture. Right. I got I was blessed enough to meet people that I believe they didn't look at me based on the color of my skin. Right. They had one thing in mind and it was crazy. And that was money. <laughs> <laughs> they, was, they, they, they didn't see my color because they wanted to make money at all costs and they didn't have time to look at my color, which I right. thought was neat. Now, you had some that look at your color, but most of them in that business, they was looking at one color, green. Green. And it happened <laughs> like, to be can a you make dark color. Green? So. Let's do it. Huh? You said, like, you know, if the one thing, you're going to make this green. Forget all the other stuff. We're making the green. <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. I met some rich people. I met some not-so-rich people. I met powerful people. I met some not-so-powerful people. You name it, that was, like, the best education I ever had in my life, formerly, was working at Merrill Lynch, Prince, Brennan, and Smith. Wow. I met people from all walks of life all situations i met the rich the super rich and the extra rich the Wait, okay so what is the difference for anybody that necessarily understand that because you are here in the 1980s you know now there's a huge phenomenon of everybody else talking about getting to the stock market the market stock exchange trying to find the s&p 500 us 30 you know nasdaq dow jones you know but you literally right. walked that out legitimately during the 1980s when inflation was still kind of high the economy was kind of recovering ronald reagan trying to do with reaganomics and growing like that and not only that but you who you here you are um and i'm you know giving a little bit of your story this guy this guy coach man left his house at 17 years old left his house was on his own put himself through school and was able to ran track at the, at the college that he went to. Then after that was able to go into the yeah. corporate world. And it's not like 2020 or like where you got LinkedIn and got all these jobs. People were connecting. No, Here you are no. a black kid no. from the hood that was able to get into that. And like, imagine like, what are the odds of you that even happening? What was the key? Right. Well, you know what the key, the key was like belief. But I think the key was I've always had enough discipline to uh, see stuff coming. You know, like when I started in Merrill Lynch, think about it. I went to a temp company and I can remember having on blue slacks, navy blue slacks, and a starch sky blue shirt. Right. And some penny loafers. I peeped the game. And when right. I went in there, here's about what? 50, 60 people in the room. They was dressed any kind of way, most of them, except for the female. And I think that's what got the lady attention. Her name was Mitzi. I'm not going to call her last name. I just remember her calling me in the room. I like the way you dress. It's conservative. Uh, I'm going to send you to this place. She sent me to the place. I met this lady from France who was running what they called the Y room back then. She taught me everything, gave right. me the manual, so take it home, learn it. I come back, and as I say, after about a week, I had it all down. Maybe two weeks, I had it all down. And uh, uh, and uh, from there, it was lights out. You know, boom, 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 boom. Everything just started happening kind of fast. But at the same time, 
during that period, I did not want to have anything to do with track and field. Right. Why? How come? Crazy. How come? Why was that? Well, bad experience. Well, I had, I had got close enough to some higher ups in track and field, and I just didn't like it. I didn't like right. what was going on. I didn't I didn't like some of the coaching I had seen and experienced. Uh, back then, most coaches, they want to admit it's true. They feel like what works for Tanaka should work for Anthony. And it didn't work like that to me, never in my mind. See? Right. And I had a friend named Dave. Me and him would go back and forth. We would stay up late nights discussing track and how to train. And then we would take ourselves to the track and practice it and see would it work. And if it didn't work, we'd throw it away. If we did, I would write it down for a rainy day. You know, I never thought I would be coaching track, to tell you the truth. Although I come from a big time high school, you know, I just didn't think it. <coughs> I never saw it like that. Right. Would, I, I ran track in high school just for fun and stay away from the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and after that, you talk about your stories, how you drink a 40 ounce before a race and still win. Say what now? Say that's real slow. <laughs> you talk about having, um, you always tell us how you would go around, drink a 40 ounce before your race and still win your with sound, your boys. You, your sound is kind of breaking up. I can't really understand what you're saying. Oh, can you hear me now? Well, if the sound is breaking up, I can hear you, but your words are breaking up. Oh, I was saying how now you would always tell us how you would drive, like, ride around, run around after drinking a 40 ounce with oh, your boys and you still said, how did I, Now, you saying, you saying how did I get, uh, get around? Yeah, how like, how did we get around? No, no, no. You know, I'm just making a comment <laughs> how you would drive around, you know, roll with your boys, still win the races, even after drinking a 40 ounce. Oh, oh, how did I run? After yeah. Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> That's just easy. You know, you're young, just done it. You know, I was hurting pretty bad and I just done it. But. The strange thing is, I was in college. I met a guy. I don't know, can I call his name? That met this great eight hundred guy from Africa. Right. And we was at a bar, and he, um, I saw him sitting there drinking. I saw him. I thought, oh yeah, I'm gonna beat him tomorrow. But when we oh no. We lost Coach Ann for a little bit, but just wanted to give you a little, guys, of an insight of who he is. Coach Anthony Mann, um, one of the most coveted track and field coaches that you guys do not know. Uh, really great guy, man of valor, man of uh, <laughs> excitement, full of stories, full of jokes. Um, he's always making sure that the people are there, and he is back. What's up, Coach? There you go. Okay, now I can hear you. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. So you're talking about you were going, you were saying? Oh, I was talking about this eight hundred guy I met from uh I think he's from Nigeria. I watched him drink beer the night before a race. And uh I figured that'd give me advantage to beat him, but it didn't. The next day he told me up. And I asked him why he go, What does beer have to do with my legs? 
You know? <laughs> so I thought that was remarkable, you know what I mean? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, and then after that, so you decided to do that then? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was the first time I, you tell me when I drank a beer in high school. Yeah. That was different. <laughs> that was different. That was different. I was hurting. The pain, the pain wouldn't go away. I suggest, don't know why I tried it, but the pain wouldn't go away. So, you know, I had some people, you know, I they, hey, I could get rid of the pain. Back, so you gotta understand, <laughs> back in our day, when we ran track back in the 70s, you had to run that morning at 8, 9 o'clock and qualify, or you wasn't running at 1 o'clock. You forget right. that. You had to qualify. You had to perform back there. I don't know how they do it now. But this was like regular high school meet. You had to run at eight, nine that morning, then qualify to run at one o'clock that evening. Right. And it wasn't easy back then because we were running yard. So you might go to the track meet. It wasn't nothing to be in the open quarter, the four by four, the open 800, open 400. Now think about that morning in the prelims. You got to do all that. Right. In order to be running at one o'clock. So it was a little bit different. And I just think we we was a little bit tougher back then, though, know, especially right. mentally. Yeah. Because we had hardcore coaches. Right. Yeah. So do you yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um about the just even about the mental toughness, you know. Um, you know, you always hear the saying sports is ninety percent mental, ten percent physical, all that. So do you think that the sport, like, and I'm, I mean, yeah, the sport of track and field, that's because that's what you specialize. But do you feel like that sports nowadays have softened, have gotten softer? And why do you think contributes to that? Well, okay, yo, yo, Mike is breaking up a little bit. Let me. All right, well, there, Coach Man was talking about how, uh, the sports, well, how back then in the big day, they were, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that, how they were softer, right? Um, or how it was tougher, coaches were tougher, to describing the sense of being able to get on, doing the 4 by one 4 by 4 open 400, just to make it to the prelims. Um, and then after that, uh, make it through the prelims, pardon me. And then after that, at 1 p.m., they'll go win the finals. So I just asked him the question, do you think that the art of sport has decreased mentally over the period, of course, the time of modern history? You know, he's a historian himself. So just being able to have that dialogue and that discussion, that idea of mental toughness, because, you know, most people in life, they always talk about, you hear all these motivational speakers always talk about, hey, you know what, life is mental. Oh, 90% of it's in your mind. Oh, it's all about your mindset. Shoot, I even talked about it, about your mindset and why it's super important. So um, this man, he was a lot of wisdom, has a lot of background, has a lot of knowledge of, uh, of the history of sport. He actually was able to have a German education, being able to grow up in Germany a little bit, being able to go there, being able to travel, go around to all these coaching clinics. And he knows a lot of people. Right. So um, once he comes back on, I'm going to ask him that little bit of that question of, hey, do you think that sport has changed in terms of mental toughness over the period of time? If you guys are interested, I want to ask you guys, um, whoever's live, whoever's watching, do you think it has? Put it up in the chat um, and let me know.
So as he comes back, we'll just continue. To but uh, Coach Mann actually responsible for helping coach um, 12 big super medalist Jason Richardson. We'll go more into that little discussion once he comes back as well after the question of sport. I mean, he's coached over hundreds of national All-Americans, whether on the high school and collegiate level. Um, people, he's coached kids who are, he's coached the students that were able to make it to the NFL and uh, make it to college sports, was able to make it to professional sports outside overseas in Europe and be able to help, you know, produce and help change the course and direction of their life. So even though this man doesn't like a lot of publicity, this man is a man of influence. He was able to utilize the gifts that was inside of him to make you sure and make a change. And so that's why I brought him on the show. He's had a myriad of experiences and I wish that I could capture all that he knows and everything that he's talking about through his life within this hour. But if we don't, we'll be talking for four five, six hours because I'm on the phone with him for that long. So trying to keep this short, trying to keep you guys engaged and hope you guys are enjoying the episode. So Thank you so much for tuning in, tapping into this episode of Campus Cuts. So we're just waiting on Coach Mann, and we will be back. Can you see me now? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. Anaka? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Okay. Well, I think you was asking me about the difference between athletes back then and the day, All right. right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I was asking, like, do you feel like the art of sport has changed? especially in terms of mental toughness and how do you think it has changed well the one thing why do you think that has we happened know, we know more about the human body today than we did back then so it has affected training 
And we now okay. know what nutrition does to performance. It wasn't a lot of time spent on that back then, but it is today. Now, the athletes, I don't right. believe they are physically as tough due to the injuries that a lot of athletes get today. And that could be just gene pool or wear and tear. You know, you, today, uh, it seems like a lot of athletes can't take as much. But I think that comes down to their training regimen and how they manage today. But back then, we didn't know as much. We had a lot of natural talent around, but we simply didn't know as much. Coaches didn't know as much. It was gun ho. You gonna run these eight quarters today, and 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 this is what you should do. Now today, you have more knowledge about well, what we're gonna do on these days. I think it's more planned today than it was back then. But back then, you had a lot of natural talent, but it didn't have the big avenue like you do today to use it. Whereas today, like in a lot of high school district track meets now, I think they now they take three to the state meet, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 and back when I come through, you took two to the regionals. That's it. Wow. <laughs> that was it, bro. And you had one district. <laughs> you didn't have all these districts. Right. That was it. You didn't make it. You didn't make it. Now, that don't you mean make it. you wasn't good. Because it'd be some relay teams like 315, 316, 314 that might not get out like that. Right. Even in summer track, I went to a regional one year in summer track that you run 311, get blowed up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get blasted back to right. the future. Yeah. That that's we got crazy. Beat one year I got beat one year. We got beat, brother, in North Carolina, nineteen ninety-two. I was with the Texan Track Club. We went 308, 25 or something like that, FAT. I think they gave us second. We didn't get second. They gave us. Oh, they gave y'all second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pissed off about it today. Yeah. Yeah. Still 1992. That's that's nearly yeah. that's 28. That's basically 28 years. Well, see, That's 28 years ago. It's like kids. Now, watch this here. Arterial Morgan, Percy Singleton, Brandon Davis, Milton Mallow. That's who the crew was that I had at the time on that 4x4. Four four. I right. could have been better because I did have Chris Jones, but he didn't make the trip. And uh, I think I had a kid named Brashawn Carter. He was all American. He didn't make the trip. You know, someone right. playing football, someone had other things to do like that. But the whole genre is today they just know more about the human body. And of course, you always hear the word that we don't want to hear juicing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but now you have more supplements out there, and the athletes' bodies can do a lot of things. You know, they just recovery, all that kind of stuff. But right. mentally, I think we were tougher because we had to be. And uh, uh, because coaches back then, they would, it, all of them, wasn't, there wasn't that much different between most of them. You know, you know, if you had a lot of natural talent, of course, they want to coach you. If you didn't have a lot of natural talent, they too much like the day, they weren't going to waste their time on you. So right. that, that's, that's, that's what the difference was. Yeah. You know, and like you know what? That. Actually, ta like talking about the idea of talent, 
How do you know when you found a talented individual when you start training them? Whoa. Right. So I was telling okay. the I was telling the audience. I was telling the audience that, you know, um, you coached um, Jason Richardson, um, 2012 yes. Olympic silver medalist in the hurdles, uh, 110 hurdles yes. and 2011 world champion. And, you know, you always tell me in practice, like, you know, the story of how Jason Richardson himself was an ugly ducking, duckling. Like you okay. saw him at the like at a yeah like so go deeper into like what okay. does it mean to find here's talent what and how are you able to find that? Here's what happened. Here here's what happened. Here's Jason Richardson's story in short. I had a coach <laughs> named Larry Jackson. All right. We both coached at Ursuline Academy. Okay. Yeah. I actually discovered Rebecca Wade. Really, world class miler. She was one of my hurdlers at Ursula, and she was a really good one. But I had this routine where I would make them warm up with 800 under three minutes. Right. Every day she got better and better and better. So I had to go over there, down there where he was, and tell him, I got this hurdler. Can I run every mile that you got? And so he started laughing, but the rest is history. Now, Jason Richardson, he goes to attract me. He's senior. And he knows me because he's around me long enough to see me. I, he knew that I love taking kids that other coaches didn't think have talent and do, and bringing it out. Right. Now, by the grace of God, I, I'm real good at this. I don't know why, and I don't care who listens, who cares. If you don't, hey, you don't agree with it, I don't care. Uh, take your complaints to Jesus Christ. That's what you do. Let him tell you how I can do it. Because sometimes I don't know how. But I saw Jason Richardson. Larry right. come got me. He said, you got to see this guy. Because I trained Larry to look for talent. So I go to track meet. He gets what? Third or fourth place? And nobody's paying him no attention. But I saw him run four flights better than I had seen anybody in my life run four flights. Now, I already know the hurdles are 10 flights, so people out there, shut up. But I'm telling you, <laughs> his first four flights scared me. They put a lump in my throat. So I right. looked at Larry. Larry looked at me, and he go, what you think? I said, that dude is one of the best in America. It was some coaches sitting in there shot of me. We had Cedar Hill High School, and they started laughing and said, you don't know nothing about hurdles. I said, if he ain't world-class, I would quit coaching track. Right. And, and you said that multiple times. <laughs> How many times have you heard about, hey, I haven't been wrong yet? Hey, you haven't been wrong yet. I don't know, Coach. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, the thing is, most coaches won't admit 90% of the 99. They always want to coach the kids that's already good. All right. What hurts other kids is you got kids out there, their body might not be mature yet, their mind might not be ready yet, or they just ain't been trained proper. And they'll come out their sheets, as I call it. They'll become great. And what happens, a lot of coaches, they won't admit it, they don't have time for the kids that ain't showing promise. See, just right. tell the truth. That's the bottom line. I'm the type of coach, if you think you got talent, and you don't have a coach that you can bring it out of you or see it in you. I'm the guy. Other than that, I'm not your guy because I'm not a fancy track coach. 
I'm a practical right. track coach. And I, I and what separates me from others is I use a lot of common sense. Right. Same thing, had a young lady jump, what, 14 feet, 12 feet at this private school when I just saw her one day. And the first thing I thought was common sense. What if you were stronger? Right. See? What if your technique was, was improved upon? There is no perfect technique. They lying. Because everybody's built different. Everybody's wired different. Everybody learns different. It's different. Right. Okay. I, I know a guy from right out there in Irving. He's a 21, maybe 20-foot jumper because I looked it up. He don't know it. And it didn't take me but about a month to make him realize he's a 24, 25-foot jumper. Look, kid, go to Baylor. Go down there to Baylor, major neuroscience. <laughs> and you and people that's listening, you can go talk to him. He I walked him through the whole process. And I never gave yeah. him that talk. But Jason, Jason Richardson was more of a uh, uh, a Martian type track athlete. And what I know about Jason, mm-hmm. what most people don't know is if he wanted to be world class in the 800, he'll be world class in the 800. If he wants to be right. world class in the triple jump, he will be world class in the triple jump. If he wanted to be world class in the 100, Jason Richardson would be world class in the 100. He's that kind of kid, but they never really recognized him. And you have to give his high school coach credit. She was to me, she was dealing with a big team, and she probably she knew he was good once he started really, really hurtling. But she didn't know how right. good he was. We went to the state meet, and there was none other than the great Karan Clements, who has right. never lost a hurdle race until he met Jason Richardson. Right. I'm the only one in the stadium that felt like Jason Richardson could become the state champion. But I had another hurdler that was slow named Courtney Jones that run 12 300. He was his state 4A champion with a 1370. And a lot of people take credit for that, but they lying. If I had a dime for every coach that told me that guys like Courtney Jones and Carter Charles would never be champions, I'd be a rich man today. They, right, I don't know right. why they can't tell the truth about it. But Jason Richardson was off. Very unique athlete, very smart, highly intelligent kid. I think he's one of the national debate top five in America. Right. He had that kind of brain. He was a good kid in practice to me. He joked around like any other teenager, but he had a way of cutting the light switch on when he got ready to run the hurdle. Right. Him going to college, we tracked Dallas people. I already knew he was going to be great because we was in practice with him. Now, is he the greatest hurdle I ever seen in my life? I uh, coached? No. Wow. The best hurdler is, uh, is Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown, I had a 12, 13-year-old hurdler named Jordan Brown that could hurdle 39-inch hurdles like a grown man, but he decided to go into party planning. And I oh, used to wow. take Jordan Brown in practice, put him in the blocks against these older hurdlers when he was 13 years old, and he'd take them down. But he wanted to do something else with his life. And, and I talked to Jordan Brown about four years ago. And he was like, yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you messed up. <laughs> now, Jason Richard, as you can see, world class all the way. And I saw it because I paid attention to what he was doing good. 
I didn't pay attention right. to what he was doing bad. And you had a lot of guru coaches out there that think they know everything, everything. They know everything about her and they know everything. Really, Absolutely. what it comes down to, you know what happens? If you got an What's athlete that's naturally gifted, they train them. You don't know if they don't know what they're doing or not. Now, there are a few coaches around like me. We go train the kids that nobody wants. The right. only problem with that is once those kids become good and you experience this, then other coaches want to train. Then they want to exactly. show you how good they are. It happened to you in uh, Fort Worth. Right. right. Am I right? Yes, sir. When they realized you yourself could a uh, 24, 25-foot jumper, it became easy for you to get people to coach you. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but that's why we not the only one. He's not the only one. I mean, we had a kid. I had to tell Coach Jackson. I told him his son was a dynamite triple jumper. That would be Jonathan Jackson from TCU that went on to become the Penn Relays MVP champ. And uh, I had another kid, Lawrence Armstrong. A lot of people know him. Uh, I had him when he was like 14. Nobody paid him no attention. I had to get on the phone and call his high school coach and say, Coach, this boy's real. This is the real deal. But he didn't believe until one day Lawrence put a 10-4 out there and then, it, then history changed. It changed. But yeah. now back to Jason Richardson, he's uh he's a to me, me and him got along real well. Uh he was real smart. And once we created that hurdle technique that worked for him, then the rest is history. He went to South Carolina, done real well. Right. Went world class and you know, competed in the Olympics, competed in a lot of meets. And then after 2012, he still competed uh, in high school. I always was preparing him to run against Ted Ginn because I knew about Ted Ginn and didn't nobody else down this way knew who Ted Ginn was, but I did. You know, that's the why I received yeah. with the thing. Yeah. See, right, I knew how right. good Ted Ginn was. I knew how fast he was because I have Ohio connections. You know, my daddy right. lived in Ohio. Absolutely. And I, every time I trained Jason before he won that World Youth Championship, I always had somebody to train him mentally that he gonna have to deal with eventually. I had, I used to tell him all the time when this guy from Ohio, Ted Ginn, is the monster of the monsters when it comes to hurdling, but he decided to play football. <laughs> Even I know Jamal Charles, who used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, he was a super hurdling high school. So I wow. knew how to prepare wow. Jason. Once I got Jason down, got everything. Once we got a consistent style, then I started putting in, in the what you would call the the fancy stuff, and just to wow. keep them consistent. You know, and, then, and a lot of people don't know. Like they're not aware that they probably could have ran him on the four by four for the world class team. He probably would give him a forty four. Easy. <laughs> He's that kind of athlete. They didn't realize right. his talent. Absolutely. I'd have ran him in a hundred. In college, I'd have ran him in a hundred a couple of times just to piss people off. Because we done it yeah. in summer track. And he run 10-21, 10-22, like it was nothing. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, when we ran on a relay one night. We had him on ankle. We like 10 meters behind 12. And he fished this guy who was world class named Bradley Reed from behind. Walked right up on him like it was like like he was standing there. He he had that kind of talent that a lot of people didn't get. To. He was a super triple jumper, right? 
Now, yeah. That's what's scary. That's what's scary. He's a, a triple jumper. 49 feet, 11 inch. That's wild. Well, That's wild. Our program, unlike most summer track programs around here, everybody want to run the relay. Everybody want to run the relay. Right. We knew we were good in relays, but we wanted right. to develop kids for individual events so they would become more visible to colleges. That's what the whole idea was. We Absolutely. knew we could run. Coach. My, I mean, I, we knew we had good relay teams, but I used to tell the kids all the time, and I had a lot of – I had Omar Johnson and people like that that I could have ran a faster relay put together. But right. when it came time for the junior nationals, the time was so close to the junior Olympics. I would say, hey, no, you go ahead and go to that junior nationals. And it's colleges there and more colleges to seek you. And it's better for your educational priorities and, and, and your life. Relays, I love right. them. Don't get me wrong. But relays take you around the track. Right. Individuals take you around the take world. Take you around the world. I Think know that. that. I know now. that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And a lot of yes. coaches, they lie. They don't see that. A lot of coaches, they lie. Even when the kid is small, okay, you let them run relay. Let them have fun. But you better know, as they get older, it's fun to run them relay because I ran them in high school. But that relay take you around the track. The individual will take you around the world. Right. The little offer I got, I got like four or five offers in high school. But the coach never asked me about the relay. Never. Because they bring right. in people for that all the time. That's what they do. Do you hear Michael right. Norman worrying about a relay? Nope. You traveling around the world. Same with Benjamin. Was, why would they paying you with saying both to show up and track me? For that individual yeah, for the individual 100, bringing the crowd, making sure the energy, one of the right. best sprinters in the world. Exactly. There you go. You see, I tell people that a lot of times all my life. Relays yeah. are fun. They take you around the track. But individual takes you around the world. Take you around the world. Yeah, Coach, let me ask you this. So now, now like, even discussing about the world, and um, now we're going to start, like, thinking bigger. Um, you know, just about, like, just having a global mindset and being, like, a global citizen. And you've been here for a long time. But, you know, you, you got that little bit of gray. <laughs> As my dad, my, as my dad will say, that's a little bit of that sage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, why do you think it's important for people like us? I mean, like, well, no, for people in general to be able to have a global mindset, a global perspective in life. Why do you think it's important for us for, to have that? Simple, simple. If you really, really want the world to be a better place, you gotta have. A global mindset. If you really, really don't stop lying, the universe will strike back through nature. That's why you got more hurricanes and run out of names for them. That's why you got these and some of these places that are bad and evil. That weather shows up: California, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. That's why it's there. Florida. That's why it's there. You notice it never gets inland in Texas because we still halfway decent down here. <laughs> Just check it out. Just check it out. True. You want you want the world to really be a better place. Hopefully, your generation through this new tool we got called media can use the media to make it a better place 
before it's too late. Right. Because Man. the Holy Spirit comes back. Ooh. You can't lie. You can't now, lie. Straighten everything down. <laughs> nature's doing things, but they're not reading it right to me. When I come right. up, we worried about influenza. It was airborne. Now you got coronavirus and and the new flu, which they basically the same to me. And <laughs> it's putting everybody on notice. You seeing who the leaders are and who the leaders aren't, aren't you? Right, right. I, I, absolutely. It's, cra it's crazy, ain't it? Right, yes. It's one crazy. Week, oh, this group of people here are getting it. This group of people here are going to get it more. See, that's man trying to control it. Right. And doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, they trying to say what group or what race to get it more than the other. And statistics are controlled by men. But these natural disasters and natural diseases are not controlled by them. Right. See, because influenza, remember Ebola? Yeah. Okay, why did we get it under control so fast? Because of good leadership? leadership is important. Right. It's difference between leadership by application and leadership by destiny. Everybody's right. not right. called to be a leader. This is why the world is upside down. You got people in places in charge to do the application. That means they don't really belong there. It's that simple. Right. Right. Man, man, That's why you can always have trouble until the earthlings Start trying to correct it. Right, right. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So now, now another question about that, just about like the global whatever. Um, what is something that you would like to see change in the United States? I mean, and you've lived here for you've lived for a, a great, a decent amount of time. You're sixty, like you're like 60, 60 plus years young, not old, sixty plus years young, because you still you might be in your sixties, but you're laughing and having fun like you're in your twenties, man. <laughs> you're talking to that's a twenty. That's only okay. You know, I'm in a wheelchair, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because I never really had the chance to take people or things for granted. Right. 
If I'm going to be happy, I got to be happy. I hardly ever get sad. I stay away from that much as possible. Thank God for prayer. You know, I hate. I get up in the morning, three to five, I pray. Because I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't tell you I can do it, but I pray. But now, answer your question. uh, What I like to see change in the United States? Yes, sir. Everything. (laughs) Everything. See, everything. It's a hundred things I like to see change. You know, not the, one of the more apparent things that you see is going on with these killing the unarmed black men and right. stuff like that. You got one political side and so what and other, you know, all that. I would like to see that change, but I know it's not, you can, it's not going to change until they address it specifically and directly. Right. See, and that's a, I wish I was president. I could put a stop to it. Yeah. I wish I was police chief. I could probably put a stop to it because I would address it specifically and directly without the political agenda, the hidden political agendas for control of people that exist today. That's what I would eliminate. Right. Right. Because I do it. I could do it. I would do it out of love for everybody and for the nation. You know, stop gap measure. See, go back to that. Ronald Reagan knew what he was talking about when he started talking about stop gap measure to address specifically and directly problems that has taken this country down. See? Yeah. It's things in this country we don't need. But it's here because this is kind of a capitalistic society. Right. And Do you think capitalism is good? In a way, yes. In a way, yes. But it depends on who's in charge. Right. It's Okay. Look at track and field. Who's driving? USATF? The track and field athletes have a pension fund. Right. See? It's all about who's driving. Right. Do you care or do you care about your position? It's like that. I mean, most people, most, most people, most care people about don't them. understand politicians or people at a job like me and you at a job. And what's the pinnacle in that career? Being president, president. or being governor. So it ain't really they so most of them don't really give a damn about you. They just <laughs> try to get a position. Then after that, get yeah. that check. And after they get these checks and these donors, and then after that, these donors, and then after that, they get the write outs, they keep the checks. So now on paper, they have have power. They have, even though on paper, they have a quote unquote salary of $89,000 to $125,000 per year, they're getting millions because of donors and connections and network. There you go. Power, prestige, position. See, we got to understand to them politicians, it's like a job. They're used to the environment. Like you working at Merrill Lynch or something, you want to sell so much stock that you go to the top star, run your own daggone fund, and 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 being the president of that company. See, now what do politicians do? They do the same thing. They want to grow from local right. to state to Congress, right? To Senate, and when they get up right. there, you know they iron at other spots. All Absolutely. of them do. That's why the world's good. Right, same thing being a judge. You want to start down here on local level. 
and you go on up, okay, well, I'm a state level. Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm a congressional level. Oh, wait a minute. I'm looking at that Supreme Court. Does you really <laughs> give a hearing about people and justice? No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know, uh, and, uh, same thing with police department. Oh, I start down here on low the ball. I go up. I work my way up. I test my way up. I ain't got to work my way up. And you get bad leadership. That's what it is. And right. I would fire the human resource department, the police department, because you're hiring the wrong people. You're doing a bad job. Doing a bad job. And implement my stopgap measures, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee. And they're pretty high. See, you think of soldiers, it's just different. Right. My dad is a soldier. Not oh my God, I talked to him out so much right after the day he died. And uh Carl Rich is so, but it's now in this world because of technology and media, you see that the media has a lot of power. Right. But our morals are so far down that just about what has happened. The last four years of people that are responsible. You you think they're stupid enough to tell you they're responsible? No. No. The game today is I'm gonna lie in your face and you're gonna believe it. That's the game. Right. right. That's the game yeah. today. And guess yeah, what? And most what people do. don't even and most people don't even understand that but, but uh, like back behind closed doors, they be for they be best friends <laughs> at the beach, chilling, eating. <coughs> Except like and they bowl with it. They bowl with it lie right in your face. It's a tell it's a TV you, Your lying eyes. <laughs> your lying eyes didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> but these videos don't lie. These cameras don't lie. But they'll right. still go, okay, that didn't happen. But it's on video, that's you. Oh, that that ain't me. That's how bold they are. Right. But sometimes the country reflects its leadership. You have to be careful. When I led track Dallas, I just preach to the kids, don't be player haters. Yeah, I didn't really know what player hating meant. I didn't. <laughs> they, I was on a bus on the way to Houston, and I heard some kids arguing in the back of the bus. And one of them go, "You player hate," and I looked at the coach next to me, and he busts out laughing. And he goes, "Coach man," I said, "What they what they talking about?" He go, "Coach man, you don't know." I said, "No." He said, "Coach man, you got to learn what player hate means." I go, "Why?" See, because I didn't know. Yeah, because yeah. I wouldn't want. I ain't never, right. I, I wouldn't want. Now I have people, I have people come at me as a track coach in a wheelchair all the time. I got a guy, I know a guy go around lying on me every day right now. Oh, they're not galaxy coach. And the sad thing is, 99% of the people will believe a lie before they believe the truth. Right. And this is why politicians lie to you. They know this. They yeah. know this. Well, other than that, your generation. Ashley's doing a good job because at least y'all branching out there as much as y'all can. Right. And y'all are taking somewhat of a stand. Y'all are taking a stand. Yeah. Y'all are taking platforms like this, protesting, voting, us being quote unquote conscious, just taking an opportunity of just uh, standing up for what's right. But anyway, coach, my last question for you, man is um, I ask all my guests these last questions. Well, two last questions. What are what are three things that you would tell, what are three things that you would tell to your 24-year-old self? 
Oh, he froze out a little bit. All right, Hello? Coach, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Um, my question is, my, this is my second last question. What are three things that you would tell to your 24-year-old self? I would go back and say, Anthony May, quit being so nice. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard, see, I, I was a person that I wanted to see you make it. I wanted to see you good. I wanted to see right. you wealthy. Because I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have no bad, I didn't have no hatred in my heart. I didn't know how to have it. Now, I was well prepared because I was a jujitsu expert by the time I was 24. I was a karate expert by the time I was 24. I could bop like hell. So I was dangerous, but I was one of them people. I'd rather help you than hurt you. Right. Number two, I probably would have went ahead 24-year-old Anthony Mann. I probably would have went to Africa. I would say, Anthony, man, you had to do it again. I would have went to Africa and became president. <laughs> I told you that a hundred times. <laughs> yes, you have told me that a hundred times. There's no way I'm going to let you come out, and take my resources from my country. We going to war. Because you come over yeah. here, you might beat me, but I'm going to make it to the point where you're going to say it ain't worth going over there. Because he's worse than them damn Somali. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why Somalia and Ethiopia and Eritrea, that's why they're still independent. They didn't have that major colonization because they were they were like, no, forget it. <laughs> I would have went the technology route with Africa. That's what I would have done. Exactly. Well, that's why, don't worry, yeah. I got that taken I care of. The gold, I used the gold, the diamonds. On other countries, hey, y'all come over here and, and I'm old. Everybody, if I'd have been president over there, everybody been in the military their first three years. When they turn 16, you join the military for the next four years till you 20, then 20, you make it, you can go do what you want to do, get your education, all that good stuff. Right. But I would have reinforced who we were. And the third thing I would have done if I'm 24 again, and I hate this today, I would have implemented black real black history before the 1600s. Right. Yes. The Kemet generations, the uh, the kingdoms, right. the understanding of how right. Africans in America. Right. And I just want to say shout out to you, coach, for exposing me to that knowledge along with my dad, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. about like teaching me that because my mind was blown when you started throwing all this game, all of this game of knowledge drops, knowledge bombs, anybody, um, you know, one person that Coach Mann really put me on is Anthony Browder. If you are African you or African-American or somebody oh um, or interested in the archaeology of the African history, Anthony Browder is one of your go-tos. Uh, yeah. Watch um, watch Hidden Figures, the documentary. Boy. Uh, I, Boy. I mean, I mean, by, you know, I, if, you know, if you might have your um, your qualms with Tariq Nasheed, but um, but still take it with a grain of salt. Start digging into true african history um not just yeah. colonization but the actually like you know the generation of wealth generation of knowledge and wisdom and growth of the kingdoms to have a better understanding of what was truly there before colonization and the scramble for africa right right go find out who really built some pyramid it's fascinating it really is and 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 Ooh, probably the third thing i would do 
in the United States. Would I do something in the United States? Yeah, I, I would have. I would have. The third thing I would have done, it would be 3A and 3B. <coughs> History. 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 It, that would have been it. The real history before 1649. Right. That's what I would have done. No doubt. There's no doubt in my life. No doubt Absolutely. about it. <laughs> no doubt. Coach, it. now my last question, final question for you. Um, thank you so much for chopping it up with me. Um, Oh yeah. What would do? What do you want? What? Yeah, we do it all the time. We talk. We should. We talking. We talk for hours. I told. I was telling the audience that we talk for hours almost every day. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, coach. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? My you know, legacy. 60, you're 60. Sixty-two. My legacy. Yeah. Uh, to be. I hope this happened one day. Well, everybody had to come out their house on Friday, one of these Friday, beautiful fall days. And everybody, I would make this a mandate. Bring your butt out your house, your apartment, nine o'clock in the morning on Friday, and praise God for about 20 minutes. But my legacy is God to my, my son and his grandson are kind of my legacy. My son is a three time. Now, two-time 4A track and field coach of the year. That's big time now to me. And right. my grandson is one of the better football players in the state of Texas right now today. So they kind of carrying it on. See what I mean? <laughs> Past that, they got it on. Yeah. But my legacy is probably people like God bless me to coach over the years. Now you see why I'm so serious about it. It is my legacy. It is the legacy. Right. Even Tanaka can go, I might be dead and gone. He goes, oh, you know, Coach Man, oh, heck yeah. The daddy legacy. It's in the universe. Because y'all are still be in the universe. See? Yeah. Kind of crazy, though. Sound like I could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coach. Yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, this is the last segment of the show. It's a speak life segment. Okay. You know it's already Bible. It's the Bible stuff. And you know, Coach, I always try to give you your flowers all the time whenever I can, where I just speak life over my guest. Coach Man, Coach Anthony Man, you're one crazy muck. You're one crazy mother flipper, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Coach. Uh, but, you know, seriously, on a serious note, um, just want to say thank you so much for all the wisdom. Thank you so much for the knowledge and um, your grace and your presence uh, for impacting my life, impacting Emma's life, impacting a lot of people's life, for just being a man like, you know, you're, like your gramps. So I just want to say thank you, Coach, for just all that you have done all that you will do. I know, you know, I know, you know, you know, you, 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 you tired of this, all this fluffly, fluffly, but, um, I just want to just give you your flowers and acknowledge that your presence and all that you've done for Dallas, for, um, all the athletes that you ever coached for the people that you touched your experiences and for just being a really, really funny, great man. And despite the odds, you know, you're over here with no legs and you're still coaching people. I, whenever I tell people, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting coached by a man that doesn't have legs. Like, huh? How? Like what? And it's like, well, you know what? God is working through him and God, you are a vessel. So I just want to say, um, I love you coach. I'm super grateful for you, man. And, um, 
you know, thanks for always coming on the show and thanks for always listening to me and coming with new research and stuff and always chopping it up. Oh, by the way, you are mute. You are mute. I can't hear you. You are mute. Your phone's on mute. You put it on mute real quick. Okay. Uh, there can you go. hear there me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Now, all I can say is to, like, I I mean, just all people. I come and come. I don't care what, really, I really don't care what color you are, but right. I do care if you are evil or not. See, that's right. a different level. And, and, and color, yeah, yeah, I know it's there. I know you, but if, if you evil, I know. It don't matter what color you are to me. I know if you evil. See, because that's the way the game is played, right? It, you know, but I would say to any and everybody, love don't care what you are or what you think you are. Love doesn't care. It keeps moving around, and no matter what you do, it's gonna go around, come right back. Don't matter. It don't matter. People got to understand that. If they don't, they're probably going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But but people like your generation, you. I ain't talking about them people behind me in their 30s because some of them tripping. <laughs> but that one, that new generation, that a sight I saw in Black Lives Matter marching. I saw black kids, white kids walking. And I just thought it was remarkable. I just did. I, you know, but evil, I hate it. Yeah. I, I hate them hitting agendas. I hate it. I wish I was in the politics. I would, I think I would address it specifically and directly. And if I couldn't stop it, I sure would put a dent in it. Right. And it's got to come from us, too. Right. It really do. But, you you know, lady asked me, you say, what you do in Chicago? I said, I'll put a curfew on. I would pull it out until, until everything dropped by 80%. Yeah. She said, you crazy. I said, well, that's what it takes to run a country. You got to be kind of. Now, Trump is crazy, but he dumb crazy. It's different. <laughs> different. Yeah. Different. Uh, all right, then, coach. Well. Um, All right. I'm going Hey, thanks, man. Thanks so much. I hope you that you enjoyed the episode. Hope y'all everybody else <laughs> that was involved enjoyed this episode too. That watched or tap or was gonna tap in or listen. Appreciate you, coach man. And now we are out. All right, God bless. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you go watch the podcast on YouTube if you haven't. And make sure you go follow us on IG Campus Cuts Pod and follow us on each and every social media network. Thank you so much for the help. Hopefully that we can get up back to where we were and hope you have a blessed day. Continue to share it, like it, love it, subscribe, and enjoy your time.